Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for They went way over that valley, past the Jordan, way out there. They're very separated. They're afraid that future descendants are going to come and say, y'all are so separated, you have no part in God anymore. So that's why they built the altar. It's kind of a reminder that, yes, we do have part to do with God. That's why they're saying it. Basically, they said, we didn't build this altar because we fell away from God, but to keep our children from falling away from God. To remind them, we're way out here. We built this altar to keep them from falling from God. They were afraid the future generations would think their being isolated was so far away that that that, that must mean they were cut from covenant. Basically, they were scared their kids would be accused of being breakaways. So they built this altar so that their kids could see it and know that just because the Jordan was bordered between them and the rest of Israel, that does not mean that the eastern tribes have no part in God. That's why they built this altar. What we got going on here is two different perceptions. The western tribes see it this way, the eastern tribes see it another way. And now they're talking it out. Their intention for building this new altar was not over separation. It was about unity, actually, with the rest of Israel. They were afraid the false accusations would cause their descendants to stop fearing God. So they built the new altar to remind them to keep the fear of God. It was actually the eastern tribes' perception of this altar was opposite what the western tribes were thinking that they were doing. Oh, now we're getting the story figured out between each other. So the Western and Eastern tribes, they were about to go to war over this whole thing. But the good thing here is that God was in this, working out the conflict. That's what's great about it. Joshua 22 and 26. Therefore we said, let us now prepare to build ourselves an altar, not, look at that, not for burnt offering, nor for sacrifice. I'm so glad they said that. Not for burnt offering, nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between you and us and our generations after us, that we may perform the service of the Lord before Him with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, and with our peace offerings, that your descendants may not say to our descendants in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. Therefore we said... That it will be when they say this to us or to our generations in time to come that we may say, here is the replica of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, though not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness, a witness between you and us. Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn from following the Lord this day to build an altar for burnt offerings, for grain offerings, or for sacrifices, besides the altar of the Lord our God, which is before His tabernacle. 
Like, man, now they spelled it out. No, 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 no. We're not doing this for sacrifices and offerings. Far be it. We're going to the one at the tabernacle. Okay, now we're getting things figured out. I feel a little better. You know, I was reading this and I was getting kind of worked up. I'm so glad that they said this altar is not for sacrifices. It's merely a replica. It's a replica. A witness, they called it, between you and us. A witness. Them saying that it was not for sacrifices would alleviate the Western tribes from thinking that the East tribes were intending to break Levitical law. They're like, oh, they're not going to break the law after all. It's okay now. But they said they were going to keep the sacrifice at the tabernacle. But buddy, let me tell you something right here. Here's where it's going to pick up. When they called that altar a witness, that right there caused this story to take on a whole new direction, big time. I had studied for this all week, and I was sick all week, and I had a lot of time to be at home and look into this. And last night, I was, I was getting ready to go to bed, and I was just about to flop down, and God said, you ain't done. You missed the best part. Get back in your office and finish. <laughs> I was like, okay, what did I miss? He goes, you missed that they called it a witness. They called this altar a witness. So I got to looking into this. A witness. What is a witness? A witness is something or someone that testifies to and verifies a truth. They testify to a truth and they verify the truth. In a court case, if you call in a witness to take the stand to testify and verify a truth, that's what a witness does. Look, you've got a bunch of Israelites. They're ready to draw swords over the violation of Levitical law. But the Eastern tribes say they had no intention of doing sacrifices on this new altar because they said in verse 27 that they don't want anyone telling them that they have no part in the Lord. That's why, why they built it. So that we, have, we can show that we have a part in the Lord, that we may perform the service of the Lord before Him, before Him, it says, with our sacrifices. They have every intention of going back to Shiloh at the tabernacle. Now hang with me, I'm trying to dress it up. This means they wanted to preserve their right to keep their sacrifices before the Lord at the tabernacle. That's what they meant when they said, our sacrifices before Him. Our sacrifices before God. They're trying to really make that point. We intend to keep it before God. That's the point. Verse 29, they said, Far be it that we do our offerings besides the altar of the Lord, which is before His tabernacle. So they're assuring, assuring the Western tribes, sacrifices have to be brought to the tabernacle before God. And so this is where the key moment happened that just diffused this whole conflict. We did not make this altar for sacrifices. We made it for a witness between you and us. We made it for a witness between you and us. They wanted something that would testify and verify that it is truth that we are not cut off. You need a witness to stand there and say, you're not cut off. That's what the altar was for. But they are entitled to come before God. Now you hang on to that for a minute, because it's going to blow up all over y'all, and it's going to feel real good, okay? Joshua 22 and 30. Now when Phinehas the priest and the rulers of the congregation, the heads of the divisions of Israel who were with him, heard the words that the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh spoke, it pleased them 
Then Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, said to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord. Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. Wow. Okay, they're seeing it. (laughs) God's here. Look at the reconciliation that just happened. I bet Phineas is breathing a huge sigh of relief because they were about to go to war over this thing. We have been spared of God's wrath. It was almost a war, but it was a war that had just gotten taken care of by God's presence, by the Lord's presence. This is a joyful resolution to a terrifying crisis. This is a joyful resolution to a terrifying crisis. Joshua 22 and 32. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and the rulers returned from the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, from the land of Gilead, to the land of Canaan, to the children of Israel, and brought back word to them. So the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God. They spoke no more of going against them in battle to destroy the land where the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness. They gave it a name. What name? Witness. I've been trying to stress that. They called the altar witness, for it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. So I love that, how they called the altar witness, because that altar testified and verified the truth of family between them, that they're all Israelites. Now, like I said, when I read this chapter, I was on the edge of my seat. There's so much riding on this. I don't want them to go to war again. (laughs) Don't do, not now. We're just settling down. I don't want the enemy coming in and messing stuff up. And also the reason I was on the edge of my seat on this is because I have been in this very same situation. My sin provoked God's wrath, and it would have been the enemy. And so there was a great conflict between me and God. But a priest mediator was sent out to get in between me and God to resolve out our differences. Now, remember in the story of Achan, after they killed Achan, after they killed him, it says in Joshua 7, 26, says, then they raised over him a great heap of stones still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Achan had to die for his sin. He had to die for his sin before God would turn from the fierceness of his anger. Achan didn't repent of his sin. And so the sin bearer had to die so that God would be satisfied and relent and be satisfied and turn from his fierceness. And so here I was in the same situation. My sin made God angry, and the only thing that's going to get God to turn from the fierceness of his wrath is the death of the sin bearer. But, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when Jesus, my sin bearer, when I repented and came to believe, my sin transferred off of me to him. Jesus became my sin bearer. He died on the cross for me. And when Jesus died with my sin on him, then the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. God's not mad at me anymore. 
And if you're in Jesus, God is not mad at you anymore. Isn't that good? But sadly, there's a lot of people, a lot of people who live with sin in their lives. They won't remove the accursed thing. They won't get the accursed thing out of their life. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. You can't. Repent of your sin and let it go to Jesus on the cross. Now, maybe you felt defeat after defeat after defeat in your life. Wherever you are, wherever you stand in things, I don't know. I don't know everybody. I don't know everybody hearing me on the radio. So I'm speaking generally to everyone that hears this. Defeat after defeat and you're tired of it. Perhaps there's an accursed thing in your life that you will not get rid of. And so God will not fight for you. You've got to get that accursed thing out. Then God will fight for you. You're wondering, where is the victory? Where's the victory? Well, get rid of the accursed thing. Today, get that accursed thing out so that you can experience victory in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You've got the victory extended to you. The reason you ain't utilizing it is because you've got to curse things in your life that need to go. And you know what they are. God's told you, but you've justified your way around it. You've said, oh, it's not bad anymore. And you've taken up political correctness more than God's word. And you think you have this right to keep it. God's not going to fight for you. That's why you feel beat the way you do. Get the accursed thing out. And so I want us to see all the parallels that maybe you missed. I still got more to unload on you here. (laughs) We know that God is three persons. He's the Father, He's the Son, and He is the Holy Spirit. I'm a father, I'm a son, and I'm a husband. I'm three guys in, in ones. It's not that hard to understand. God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all three persons of the Godhead, all three persons of the Godhead are displayed here in Joshua 22. They're all in there. First, we can see God the Father being present among the Israelites. They're concerned about the Father's wrath. So we see God the Father in this picture. And as Phineas said, the Lord is with us. So we see God the Father. Now, secondly, we see a picture of Jesus displayed in Phineas, the priest mediator who was sent out to reconcile a conflict between two opposing parties, between two parties that are about to be at war with each other. And third, we see the Holy Spirit displayed. Where do we see the Holy Spirit displayed? We see the Holy Spirit displayed in the altar. In the altar. How so? Remember when they called the altar a witness. They called the altar witness. And what does a witness do? What does a witness do? A witness testifies and verifies truth. That's what a witness does. The Holy Spirit has worked as a witness many, many times in the Bible. In Matthew 3, when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended upon him with God's voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That was the Holy Spirit serving as a witness and testifying and verifying the truth that Jesus is God's son. He said, this is my son. The Holy Spirit came to testify and verify that he is God's son. So he did that as a witness. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You can see how the Holy Spirit testifies and verifies truth with us. I found in Acts 5, 32, it says that the Holy Spirit is a witness whom God has given 
to those who obey him. And so if you want to be given the Holy Spirit witness, here's how you get it. Ephesians 1.13, having believed, that's in Jesus and the gospel, having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so let's look at the parallels that God has given us here in Joshua 22. Here's, I'm going to wrap it all up. Here it comes. Because of sin, we came into a severe conflict with God. And so God sent his priest mediator, Messiah Jesus, to do the work of resolving the conflict. Jesus said, your side is defiled, so come and live over here with me. And that is an overly generous offer. Having believed in him, the Holy Spirit then becomes our witness to testify and verify that it is truth, that our conflict with God has been reconciled. It's done. And that we are not cut off from the covenant that God gave us. That was exactly why the Eastern tribes built the altar. To, to, as a witness that we are not cut off from covenant. When you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and becomes your witness that you are not cut off from covenant. Isn't that good? But we are able to come before him. The Eastern tribe said, no, we want to maintain this reminder that we can go to Shiloh, that we can go to the tabernacle and put our sacrifices before him, before the Lord God. The Holy Spirit is your witness that you are able to come before him, before the God of Israel. Friends, this is a joyful resolution to a terrifying crisis that we get the indwelling Holy Spirit who says, I testify truth. You are entitled to covenant with God. No one can accuse you of saying you are fallen from God. I have the Holy Spirit who says you are entitled. You can come before him. I liked it so much. I want to read Joshua 22 and 34 again. I may not have it on the board there, but look at your Bible. 22, 34, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness, for it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. Amen. Friends, the Holy Spirit is my witness between me and the Father that the Lord is God. Nobody can challenge that. I have a witness. Good golly, that's great. (laughs) They called it witness. He is our witness. So good. This past week, let me give you a little perspective real quick. This past week, I was reading about Voyager 1. If some of y'all know about what what Voyager 1 is. Voyager 1 is a spacecraft that was launched in 1977. It has passed by all the planets of the solar system. Now, for 40 years, it's been traveling at 38,000 miles per hour. That sucker is out there, buddy. I mean, it is way out there. But even as fast as it's going, it's going to take Voyager the next 40,000 years before it reaches the closest star. 40,000 years. And it's been out there 40 years at 38,000 miles per hour to reach the next star ahead, which is 17.6 light years from Earth. And that's just one star of an uncounted multitude of stars. And to think, that Isaiah 40 verse 12 says that God can measure the entire universe with the width of his hand. Friends, God is big. God is big, and he is big enough to resolve 
all of our conflict. You let him resolve your conflict between you and him through, the Messiah, through Messiah Jesus, the priest mediator. And he will give you the indwelling Holy Spirit, the witness that says you are entitled to covenant with God. Father, I thank you for this message. You got me through it. Lord, and like Byron prayed earlier, thank you, Lord God, for the message that you prepared for us. Lord, I didn't prepare this. I thought it was done until you told me to get back after it. Lord, all of this comes from you. Lord, you're huge. We were at war with you because of our sin, and you didn't want us to die with it. You didn't want us to be the sin bearer, so you sent Messiah Jesus. You sent a mediator to get between you and us to resolve the conflict. And now there is an altar, a place where we can sacrifice. We can be living sacrifices as the temple, ourselves, the temple, with the witness of the Holy Spirit who testifies and says for us, yes, you belong to God. You are children of God. You can come before him. Nobody can ever tell us, Lord God, that we are cut off as long as we have that witness there testifying and verifying otherwise that we are yours. Lord God, thank you for the picture in Joshua 22. I would have missed the whole thing, but thank you for showing me. And now everybody here knows it too. They go forward and they carry it out to people that they know. They tell friends and tell their family that, guys, you need the Holy Spirit. Well, I've got defeat. I've got defeat. Yeah, you have an accursed thing in your life. Get it out. The victory in Jesus is so easy to get access to. We're the ones that's making it tough. Friends, I want to pray that you take those accursed things that God shows you, or maybe he's been showing you for some time, and you don't want to get rid of it. It's time to get rid of it. Oh, but I got so much invested in this. It doesn't matter. When your enemy comes in and fights you, the Lord will not defend you. He will not fight for you. You're going to lose it anyway. It's better for you to give it up willingly than have the enemy take it from you and hurt you in the process. Father, show us the accursed things in our life. Show us how to get it out. Teach us to let go of it. Lord, we want your protection. We want you to fight for us. Thank you for giving us guidance through your Holy Spirit. Lord, for anyone here on the radio that is just realizing they need to be saved, Lord, let's lead them in prayer. Father, I've sinned. I messed up. And I don't want your anger to fall on me. I want to be free and clear and saved. Father, forgive me. I turn it over to you. That accursed thing, I get it out of my house. I get it out of my life. If it's pornography, if it's a problem with greed of money, if it, whatever it is, Lord God, if I, that problem I have to get out of my life because it's owning me and I feel defeated, and that's because I won't let go of it. I release the accursed thing, Lord God. I repent of my sin and I turn. Now save me and thank you, Lord God, for the Holy Spirit, for the witness that says I belong to you. I thank you, Lord God, that I now know without a doubt, because your word tells me that I'm entitled to come before you and sacrifice in your presence. I am entitled to covenant. I am not cut off. Thank you, Lord God, that you came and said, look, your side's messed up. Come over here and live with me. Thank you for that generous offer. In Jesus' name, amen. You are not worthless. You are priceless beside Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Aren't you glad? Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.